This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. Welcome to our latest Late Boomers. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Today on Late Boomers, we're interviewing Sandy Newton. Sandy has been an on-camera reporter and interviewer for PM Magazine, Hour Magazine, Breakway, and entertainment reporter for KCAL Los Angeles, which earned her the Excellence in Journalism Award from the LA Press Club. She also hosted Hollywood Insider on USA Network and E! Entertainment Television, and was nominated for an ACE Award for her Extreme Close-Up series. She worked for a number of years in Dallas as the arts and entertainment reporter for CBS 11, where she was awarded the Katie Award, two awards for excellence in entertainment reporting from the LA Press Club, and nominated for three Emmys. She's now based in the beautiful Coachella Valley Desert Community in California, where she's hosted NBC Cares and is currently doing a series she created called Silver Linings. Kathy and I have both known Sandy for many, many years. Sandy, say hello to our listeners. Hello, everyone. It's so great to talk to my dear friends. And Mary, thank you for being so gracious and not giving an actual number to the years we've known each other. (laughs) (laughs) But we can safely say decades. (laughs) Yeah, we can safely say that. (laughs) (laughs) Before you were an on-camera reporter, you were a TV actress. Tell us a little about that. Well, I was like both of you, I think. Uh, We all dabbled in acting back in the late 70s and early 80s. And, you know, it wasn't something that I felt I was called to do, but I had been going to college in New York and earning extra money doing television commercials. And when I moved out to Los Angeles, the agent I had for television commercials said, well, why don't you try acting? And I said, you know, I I don't know if I would, you know, like that or if I would really be employable. But sure enough, she sent me out on some auditions and I got a few little episodic roles and some classic television shows um and yeah, i name loved a it. couple would you name a couple well, yeah mork and mindy happy days charlie's angels chips uh oh my goodness almost all of those iconic late 70s early 80s <laughs> and, that's so amazing know, right i you know only amazing now because i must say thanks to youtube and reruns um i can <laughs> relive them you know, mm-hmm. back in those days, if you'll remember, we had VCRs, and I never really taped a lot of these shows. Some of them I did, but I lost those VCR tapes over the years, and I don't even have a machine anymore. So it's yeah. kind of fun now to be able to Google them and see them on YouTube or 
every once in a while, I'll get a, a note from someone saying, oh, I was watching TV Land and your Mork and Mindy showed up or your Happy Days. So it's kind of fun to have those memories. That's I'll great. Bet. Your drive and ambition have kept you working many years in a very competitive field. To what do you attribute your organizational skills and your knack for being in the right place at the right time? Oh, Kathy, that's a good one because I do believe a lot of it is luck being in the right place at the right time because, you know, it's, it is a very competitive business. It's, it's very, very uh, desirable. I think uh, I remember a few years ago interviewing some uh, Miss Teen Americas in Texas, and they were all saying, we want to be entertainment journalists. We want to be on ET or Access Hollywood. You know, it's a very, very desirable, fun career. And I never did hard news per se, meaning, you know, the, the headlines of the days. I always did light entertainment uh, news. And um, I do think it was being at the right place at the right time. After I had those few stints in acting, I did a pilot for CBS. And um, I said to myself, you know, if this pilot doesn't go, um, I think I'm going to think of another career because I, I love this, but it's so hit or miss and it's not really uh, kind of talking to my soul. So um, I heard that Mary Hart at the time in Los Angeles was leaving PM Magazine and uh, the pilot I did at CBS did not get picked up. So I auditioned for PM Magazine in Los Angeles. And of course, Mary Hart went on to great fame at Entertainment Tonight. Uh, and I did PM Magazine for a couple of years and I realized I liked that so much better than acting. I liked being myself. I liked being able to say, hi, I'm Sandy Newton. Uh, so that just happened kind of happenstance and from there it's it's been um i must say knock on wood a fun ride yeah like that when you were based in dallas as the arts and entertainment reporter you traveled the world didn't you tell us uh what would be your favorite highlight from your travels oh my gosh mary you know that was i still have friendships from all of those entertainment journalists that um I traveled with, uh, for I was at uh, CBS, the CBS uh, owned and operated station in Dallas for 14 years. And in that 14 years, I went to every continent except Antarctica. <laughs> uh, so it was pretty impressive. Uh, Rio and Cairo and New Zealand and Iceland and Rome and Italy and literally all of the bucket list destinations I wanted to travel to, I was fortunate to travel. And, um, you know, it was about, of course, the work, which is crucial. Uh, Moscow, obviously, also was in there. But it also was about these great friendships I made. And because I was accruing so many miles on these exotic trips, I was able to take both my mom, who was living with me at the time, helping uh, me with my children, and I was able to take my sons with me a lot. So because these press junkets tended to be on the weekends. So, um, I was able to take my mom to meet Robert De Niro in New York, her favorite actor, and was able to take my younger son to um, uh, England to meet the cast of Harry Potter. And, uh, you know, so great, great stories uh, for really friendships made and family, you know, shared times. That's fantastic. And my that leads me to my next question. How did you handle family life while traveling the world for entertainment reporting? We, yeah. know, you have, we know you have two sons. 
Right, right. Uh, well, you know, it turned out that very fortuitously, Dallas was a great hub to work out of because it's in the middle of the country. So if I was going to New York or L.A. for a junket, um, it was only two and a half hours away. So I always took one of my sons uh, every weekend unless they had a game because they both were involved in sports. Uh, and then I wouldn't travel. I would always go to the games, of course. But um, a lot of their games were midweek when they're in school. So um, I would try to take them as often as I could. And then also that Dallas hub allowed me to have many nonstops to all those great destinations around the world. It wasn't like I was needing to make, you know, four stops to get to Rome or something. It was direct flights to Rome and direct flights to Iceland and direct flights to Paris. So uh, it really ended up being very convenient. And um, uh, they, you know, it's funny, they got a little, not tired of it, but um, they, you know, I think maybe as they grow older, they'll appreciate it more. I think at the time it was like, oh, okay, mom, oh, we're doing this, okay, you know, because <laughs> they would have to take their homework with them, of course, and um, <laughs> it wasn't, but it, but for me, it, it solved that issue of not being away from my kids. How lucky they were, what an education they got, and they took their homework with them, so they, it really must have broadened their experiences. Tell us uh, a little bit about your Child Help Speak Up Safe. You've spoken to 2,500 elementary school children to date, and tell our listeners exactly what Speak Up Safe is. Oh, thank you. Yes, Child Help is an organization that has uh, been around since 1959. Uh, it helps severely abused children. They advocate for them and offer help uh, with two residents, one on the East Coast and one here in California, and counseling. And they created a curriculum called Speak Up, Be Safe, which is presented to public school districts free of charge with a facilitator or a teacher um, actually uh, conducting the curriculum. And they asked me, I've been a volunteer in the Coachella Valley with uh, our chapter here, the Child Help Chapter, uh, for six years. And they needed a facilitator to go into the school district here, uh, the one in the East Valley, the Coachella Valley School District, which is really the most underserved uh, school district in our valley. And so I had to take what essentially, you know, which were a few college courses to learn uh, how to properly deal with children that have been abused or um, uh, in witnessing domestic abuse or family uh, disturbances. And so um, I did that for three years. Uh, we just finished up actually in January before the pandemic hit because of course schools went out of uh, session in March. Can you explain a little bit more about really what it is, Speak Up, Be Safe? What, yes, yeah. it, it, it's a curriculum that empowers children to understand that they have a voice, that uh, they don't have to be victims. I did it for first grade and sixth grade, which are, of course, very different age groups. But what we teach the children is they have a right to their bodies. They have a right to their safety. They have a right to tell a safe adult if someone is, is uh, doing something that they know isn't okay. And we, uh, we identify uh, different kinds of abuse. There's neglect, there's sexual abuse, there's emotional abuse, there's physical abuse. And we talk about it in appropriate ways for their age group. Obviously, like I said, the first grade curriculum is much different than the sixth grade curriculum. 
Um, and we talk about bullying and how that can lead to actual abuse among peers. But mostly it's talking about the family because what they found, of course, historically, so many children don't feel that they can tell anyone and they don't know that they have a right to be safe. Um, and Child Help has a 24-hour hotline um, that's toll free that we give the children a little wristband that has that 800 number, which is 800 for a child. And they speak uh, over 200 languages. Um, and uh, they will give you advice. You don't, you can be anonymous. You can also text them because uh, a lot of kids, especially in sixth grade are more comfortable texting than they are speaking on the phone, but they will help help you and give you um, some sort of counsel as to what your rights are, because as I said, children don't realize that they have a right to their safety. Is there a curriculum for that, or is it basically a, a, a dialogue between people? There is a curriculum. So it is um, uh, the facilitator teaches, they give us a manual, and um, they ask us to say it verbatim. Um, you know, I wasn't always great with memorizing lines, so I tended to, you know, get a little off book, as they call it, but I pretty much stayed um, uh, consistent with the program. And um, it just outlines uh, the different kinds of abuse, like I said, so the children know to, how to recognize it. Um, and then it gives them resources. We give them handout materials. And um, with and then that wristband with the 800 number, and they do. Their parents do have to sign a waiver saying that they can participate in this presentation, which is like an assembly, um, because often parents don't want to be outed, so to speak. You know, if they know you're telling your child that it's not okay to hit them, or it's not okay to you know withhold a meal, or keep them locked in a room, or do worse things. Um, they, you know, well then, unfortunately, when I would show up for the presentations and the principal would say, well, we have seven children who've opted out and it always would break my heart because I thought, oh, those are probably the ones that need to hear this, but we would leave behind the materials and leave behind the wristbands. Um, and then at the end of the presentations, uh, we had a wonderful benefactor who donated backpacks so we would give each child a backpack, both first grade and um, sixth grade. And we would say, um, every time you put on that backpack, realize there's a safe adult out there that has your back. Oh, and we talk great. about the safe adults. Yeah, we talk about uh, the community members, uh, firefighters, police officers, doctors, uh, principals, teachers. But we also let them know that sometimes they aren't safe adults and you have to be able to look for signs that you don't feel comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And um, it was so impactful for me. Um, you had mentioned 2,500, but now at the end of, uh, in January, we reached over 6,000 children in the Coachella Valley school district. So that to me was life affirming. And uh, because my younger son was still in high school at the time, and uh, first year of college here, he was able to help me with it. He kind of helped unload the backpacks and bring them in and um, help settle down the children in the assembly. And so that for me was really wonderful too, having him be part of that. Oh, that sounds perfect. Yeah. Wow. Tell us about how you started Silver Linings for NBC Cares. 
make well, it happen. Well, right? you you know, everyone's kind of talking about silver linings now. During this pandemic, I um, had offered four years ago the general manager at the NBC affiliate here. I said, you know, I there are over 800 nonprofits in this valley, and it really is like no other place. Um, I've never seen so many people do so much good, uh, volunteer their time and their talents. And I would love to spotlight um, those nonprofits every week and you don't have to pay me, I'll volunteer. It's, it's kind of what I do for a living. And at the time I was still working in LA a day a week, so I had an income. And he said, sure. So that was four years ago that we've done NBC Cares and I've, I've, we've been able to um, highlight over 200 nonprofits, which I'm really proud of. Now, by the way, there's over a thousand nonprofits in the uh, desert in that four-year time. And after the pandemic it's, hit, wait, I, wait, it's grown from 200 to 1,000 in four years. Well, no, there there were 800 nonprofits when I started. So now there are a thousand nonprofits, oh. and I have and I right, and we've spotlighted over 200, close to oh, 250. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. um, and, and when the pandemic hit, we realized, you know, all of these nonprofits are, are really in need and they just, they have so many, um, obligations financially for their clients that they have to deal with, but everyone is going through the same dire straits. Uh, so we wanted to spotlight silver linings and not just the nonprofits, but people making a different individuals making a difference and yep. how they found a silver lining in this uh, difficult time. Because I think if you can share those, it's inspiring. It's, it's inspiring to hear how someone else is going through what we're all going through. You know, we can either just kind of sit on our couch and keep eating and you know, <laughs> wearing stretchy yoga pants and not <laughs> motivating ourselves, <laughs> or, or we can decide to uh, make good out of this uh, unfortunate time and kind of grow and stretch and and come out of it uh, for the better. And I think that these silver linings show that. Sandy, share some of your silver lining stories with us. Well, there have been so many now since I've been doing actually two a week since March, but a few of them, uh, a family, a really sweet dad sent me an email and said, you know, I know you talk to a lot of the nonprofits, but my family has found some beautiful silver linings and I would love it if you would share them. And it turns out that they had, he and his wife had three uh, young children, middle school and younger, who were being homeschooled as all the children now were being remotely taught. And um, the kids were getting antsy. Both parents were home, working from home and they were kind of, you know, just at their limit. And so the mom said, why don't we start hiking? Why don't we hike? Why don't we go out? We live in this beautiful desert. Let's take hikes every day and get some exercise. So they started hiking and they realized uh, the hikes got easier and they were doing more complex hikes and people would wave to them. They had their dog with them uh, and the family of five kind of became well known on a certain hiking trails. And then they counted the days and realized we're getting close to a hundred consecutive days that we have hiked. So they took a little picture that said 100 days. And then the dad, who was very clever, said, you know what? We're going to call this Hikes for Hope. And we're going to see if we could get some, uh, some people that might be interested in donating uh, money. And then we will give it to a nonprofit. So sure enough, they were able to uh, come up with some 
folks that just kind of, you know, said, well, we'd love to help you. We'd love to help you. And they helped a local Alzheimer's uh, foundation here in the Valley because they have a neighbor who has Alzheimer's that they missed seeing because he went into a facility. So that was very inspiring. And I thought, what a great, a great oh, way to yeah. motivate a family. And if I can tell you, when I interviewed those three precious children all sitting on a couch, and those it makes me even cry to this day, those big smiles and how they felt so powerful and like they were doing so much. And, you know, I just, those stories mean so much. Um, another great story were some local high school boys who had learned 3D printing in their um, uh, high school. And they started, they had grandparents who were uh, frontline workers in a hospital. And they decided to use their uh, 3D printing skills to come up with face shields for their grandparents and some other frontline workers. So to date, I think they've created 3,000 face shields and they've gotten some other friends involved. Wow. And uh, the, the great thing about that story was being able to hear from their teacher who um, said, wow, who knew, you know, a year ago, whatever, when we were teaching these kids this 3D printing, that it would be used to this great purpose, um, especially when you realize that they really, you know, their grandparents are frontline workers and they really were so worried about their grandparents and wanted to help protect them early on when PPE was kind of um, limited. And do you know if somebody was backing them financially with the materials to make the shields? Yes, they ended up getting some backing. Once again, I think it was kind of one of those GoFundMe or just getting the word out that, you know, we need uh, some of these materials to continue doing the work. I think their parents kind of funded them in the beginning, but I think they were like 14 and 16 or something. So, and they're not really able to work or even at this point get a job, you know, so many adults aren't employed. Uh, so I do think they did a GoFundMe or something like that that was able to, um, and then a fun celebrity um, uh, silver lining. Uh, you all know, you, you know Vanna White very well. She's one of our favorite Hollywood stars and such a wonderful person. And so I was able to talk to her and I said, so Vanna, I know at this time Wheel of Fortune had not gone back into production. They had taken the time off during the pandemic. And I said, so I know you're not working with Wheel every week as you love with Pat and all of your friends. They've become a family now after 30 years. But I said, what is your silver lining? And she said, my kids are home. She said, you know, Gigi, her daughter was in school in New York and her son was at school, uh, I think in Arkansas or somewhere back east as well, in the Midwest maybe. And she said, they both come home. And she said, who would have thought I would have had my two college age kids at home to, uh, at this time in my life. We're having meals together, we're cooking together, we're playing cards, we're playing Monopoly. And she said, it has been for me incredible. And she said, this, this has been the most beautiful silver lining and she just beamed and both kids came into the zoom and said hi you know and it was just wonderful and I thought there she is you know big celebrity but it's the simple things it's family and playing cards and and cooking meals together and I think that that is is maybe the biggest message from these silver linings that it ends up being the small things that we have found that we treasure most so though it's been very rewarding for me. I, I cannot tell you how I feel this has been now after this varied, you know, many hats I've worn in the entertainment industry since college, 
it turns out this is my silver lining, uh, doing these segments to really kind of, um, they inspire me and I hope they inspire others. Inspires me. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And I'm wondering, do you have another one, another story, another silver lining? Well, yes. I mean, out? I have another fun celebrity one uh, yeah. with Brian Cranston. And this one isn't quite as, as motivating maybe as, as uh, Vanna's, but uh, Brian, of course, he and his wife both came down with COVID, but they uh, recovered. And during the time I interviewed him on Zoom, he had just recovered, but he didn't want people knowing that he had it yet because they were kind of keeping that low. But he said, um, I was really worried. Maybe I wasn't going to work or we weren't going to work and what's happening with Hollywood. And, and lo and behold, he got a call that um, a director friend wanted to do a virtual Zoom reading of um, Love Letters, which is a play about two people that uh, had been young lovers and meet each other many years later. And they wanted him to do it with Sally Field. And he said, lo and behold, that's been a bucket list for me to work with Sally Field. And he said, I don't know in the real world if I would have ever been able to work with Sally Field. But he said to be able to practice with her on Zoom for a couple of weeks and see her genius. And of course, I think Brian Cranston is equally a genius. <laughs> um, and he said to do something like that and raise money for the Actors Fund, he said, who uh, really have helped so many actors during this time of unemployment. Um, he said just meant the world to both of us, both he and Sally. He said we, we really loved doing that. It was a great way to work together to be together to experience you know each other's craft but also help our, our fellow actors and certainly those who weren't maybe as financially fortunate as the two of us were and That's i thought beautiful. that was a beautiful story it yeah. is beautiful i think every one of us uh, everyone listening to the podcast can find a silver lining in their own lives yes I certainly oh i certainly hope so too and our guest today has been Sandy Newton, who created the Silver Lining series during the pandemic. And thank you for inspiring us to do something great, Sandy. I'm Aww, hopeful that you, other people friend. other Absolutely. people will look for that. Absolutely. And Sandy, is there anything we haven't discussed that you'd like to add? I think not, other than the power of friendship. Uh, we won't talk about the number of years. As I said, we've known each other, but it's been decades. And I want you to know that it means so much to me to see the two of you doing so well, creating your own silver lining, which I'm going to make a silver lining on NBC. <laughs> you can yeah. hear that with okay. your listeners. <laughs> yeah. But um, to see how well you have come up with this great concept for women of our age uh, to inspire them to um, you know, do something creative, do something with a girlfriend, uh, and really bring a lot of joy and revelation to folks. I think that that's um, been a great experience for me to witness with both of you, and I love you dearly. And and friendship, I think, uh, also uh, is is such a huge silver lining for me. I'm so grateful that we have this technology to be able to be in touch. I'm so grateful too. It's it's been a huge silver lining for me. I know I get Zoom fatigue, and then I think <laughs> the and then I think of the alternative, not not seeing people, not speaking exactly. to them, and sometimes I have so many to do it. It's worth it to you know. And we should tell our listeners we do we record our podcasts on Zoom, so we're all looking at each other from all our different homes. 
really beautiful. beautiful. And <laughs> I want to tell everybody, you can find Sandy on Instagram at Sandy Newton, and she spells it S-A-N-D-I-E, Newton. And on Facebook, she's got a professional page on Facebook. That's right. I, I have a Twitter page too, but I don't really tweet. So those are probably the best places to catch me. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Sandy. Thank you for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating $1 million in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.